0: Hey, good evening. It's Travis with Oscar Mike Radio. How are you doing tonight? It is March 5th, 2020, and I have a special guest from the great state of Tennessee, Army veteran Phil Cook. Phil, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Hey, thank you much. It's an honor to be here tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. I was in Nashville not too long ago and just really... uh taken with how the whole state really uh walks their talk when it comes to veterans man especially veterans who have dealt with um service-connected disabilities and and, and you serve in the army you have a very interesting story to tell so um why don't you start with your army service and how you uh you know got into the army and served
1: well, well um my whole family has a history of being in the service so it's like a like family tradition Oh wow! Uh, myself so uh with me i went i came in the service in 2000 uh prior to 9 11 of course uh, my first dirty station was in germany Oh 9 11 uh, happened uh, then oif1 kicked in uh deployed over there to iraq uh we ended up doing 18 months instead of nine months like we were supposed to so we were part of the detail that had to escort vehicles to and from Kuwait up into into Iraq to establish military bases over there during OIF one. Uh, during my now, now
0: for everybody out there, can you just tell us what OIF means?
1: Operation Iraqi Freedom. This is for gotcha. the Iraqi Iraqi uh, war campaign.
0: All right, I know that, but you know, a lot of people who are watching this may not. So you, you were you are part of that. Um, that, that involvement over there? Correct.
1: That was one of three deployments I did during my time uh, in Iraq.
0: Now, now, how long was each deployment? A lot of people don't understand or appreciate that. What, what's When you say deployment, how many months is that?
1: Sometimes it could be nine months. Sometimes it could be a year. Sometimes it could be six months. Uh, there's no given time frame. It's just a matter of whenever the Department of defense decides that they need you in a particular area, they send down the orders and you go.
0: (laughs) So essentially two and a half, almost three years, you were not in the United States, you were overseas in a danger zone.
1: Well, uh, typical deployment, you'll you'll deploy, you come back home for anywhere from six months to a year, then you deploy again. Uh, During my time in, we have Operation Iraqi Freedom, and Operation Operation Enduring Freedom, which is Afghanistan campaign. So, uh, with my 16 years that I put in, I was actually in Iraq three times and Afghanistan twice. Oh well, wow. I definitely had my share.
0: <laughs> and were you? Were you? Did you serve Army the entire time? I uh, guess I did. And were you primarily in a, in a combat MOS role or support role when you mentioned, you know, trucks, I think, mortar um, T?
1: Right. The first time, when I first went in, I was doing a quartermaster job, which is a support element. Uh, I did water purification and petroleum fuel as a fuel specialist. Later on uh, from that, I transferred over into NBC, dealing with uh, chemical warfare masks, nice. stuff like that. Um, And then the last four years of my service, I was utilized as a public affairs representative uh, while stationed in Korea and at Fort Hood, Texas. So I got a wide variety of different things that I did while I was in.
0: Now, water purification is a big deal. I mean, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was in, we would go out in the desert in Arizona, and they would literally uh, put a hose in one of the reservoirs, and that's what we drank. But it was... It was dirty, like not not for human consumption. And three hours later, it was, you know, watering, you know, 400 Marines. It was amazing. Very important job.
1: Oh, that it is. Uh, even with patrol as a fuel system as well, because without fuel and water, your soldiers can't get the job done, bottom right. line.
0: No, it's logistics. Yep. So we were talking before, uh, you know, we, we did this, and, and you were telling me that during your service, you got – you took a pretty severe injury. I mean, can we can we talk about that a little bit? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'll be fine. Um, in two
1: thousand between th- two thousand three and two thousand five, during the eighteen month deployment, MSR Tampa in Iraq, uh, I was blown out of a fifty cal gun turret and slammed into the side of an eighty eight tank uh, due to an IED blast on the side of the road. Uh, it messed up my back really bad. Uh, I Spent some time in Kuwait. Went back to Germany. They did physical therapy and afterwards they said, well, you're good to go. Pushed me on to my next duty station. Uh, that, I've had issues with my back ever since then. And then in 2015, after coming back from NTC out of, out of being with first cab out of first hood, or hood uh, I finally had to have back surgery to where I could, because I could barely walk at all. Um, they pulled shrapnel out of my back. I had a seven hour back surgery procedure Uh, It took me two months to learn how to walk all over again. I had to utilize a walker, and Mm -hmm. was doing physical therapy literally three times a week to try and gain the strength back in my legs to be able to walk again. During that process, uh, they discovered that I had a pinched right sciatic nerve in my back from where they had put the cage in. Uh, Because of that, my right leg uh, tends to go numb and just give out without warning. Therefore, that is why today I wear a KFO leg stabilization brace on that leg.
0: Do you feel that if you they had been, it sounds like, and I don't know, that maybe when you went to Germany the first time, that they weren't as thorough as they could have been? Or was it just it didn't present itself until later?
1: Well, back in the day, back back in 03, 05, the doctors weren't exactly so sure as to the injuries uh, that we occurred from the IED blasts as we do today. So, had they had the knowledge today back then, they could have gotten it a lot sooner and avoided a lot of the damage that my back endured. Uh, my L3, my L4, my L5, my S1, and S2 are all fused together with a cage, screws, and rods in my lower back to this day. After my surgery, uh, when I had the surgery done, the surgeon told me that he did not expect me to be on the table as long as I was. Um, during his post-op exam, he told me that I would be able to walk again, but I would not be able to go ruck marching like I was prior uh, to the surgery.
0: So that's that's incredible, man. I mean, one, if I'm getting the dates right, you, you suffered with this while serving in active duty for over 10 years. Correct.
1: They gave me a military profile uh, in order to try and somewhat compensate for the just the problems I was having with my back, but after a long period of time and not actually having the problem addressed, it made it progressively worse to what it was to where they finally had no choice but to do the surgery.
0: And, and so if, if I have the time right, you were in the Army for almost 20 years?
1: 16 years total.
0: 16 years total. Okay, so I'm a little off but still a significant amount of time, 10 out of those 16 years you were dealing with this, they operate on you. And of course, you know, like with a lot of us, you know, once you can't PT and and meet the standard, you know, they really don't have any choice but to separate you from service. I mean, that must have been a very drastic change in your life path because you've been in so long.
1: Yes, it was. And even today, uh, I've retired out four years ago. Even today, I'm still having that adjustment period going on. Uh, My doctor told me that I couldn't ruck march anymore. And with me being very active, even when before I was in the service, it was a real blow to me as as a human being knowing that I could not accomplish the mission and be out there with my my counterparts like I was before. Um, Part of my frustration was the fact that I enjoy the ruck march, and I enjoy the the daily PT and the field training, the training soldiers.
0: You you like hump? You liked humping?
1: Exactly. I'm the type of person that would say, "Oh, you you want to piss me off? I got games for you. Let's go. Grab your ruck. Let's go."
0: So to explain to people what rucking is, or what uh, the technical term across all services, foreign and U.S. is, forced march. And as Phil will tell you, it's basically you put a, a 30 to 50 pound pack on your back. You go walk. Well, it's not walking is not the right word, right, Phil? It's more like a short run for five to 20 miles.
1: For some people, some people call it a hike. For us, it's called ruck marching. Same thing, basically, basic, same basic concept. Uh, what we would do is we would, with the ruck march, you have anywhere from 15 to 60 pounds a given day on a particular distance that you decide to go for a ruck march. Uh, active duty side, we would put anywhere from 30 to 60 pounds in a ruck. We would go from 5 to 7 to 12 miles with, with a ruck march on while you're active duty. Here I am four years later after my surgery, after the doctors told me that I could not do it anymore, and I've got a 30-pound ruck on my back. I'm rucking three days a week, anywhere from 7 to 10 miles a day. And I have the opportunity this year to go do the Baton Death March, which is a 26.2 Ruck March in memory of the original Baton Death March survivors at the White Sands Missile Range coming up March 15th.
0: So that, that's kind of well, where, where this is really getting interesting when we started talking is, you know, this is not something that a doctor or an orthopedic surgeon or a chiropractor would say, yay, Phil, let's go do that. Uh, one they told you that you couldn't do it and two they're like it's not a good idea but you're like forget all that and it seemed like man that this has been a part of you kind of like you want to do this to heal mentally maybe do you, do right you?
1: this is uh, for me I do photography work as well so with me yeah, as I'm a photographer that. and uh, with me doing photography work and me doing the rock punching both as uh, treatment for my, and, and as my own therapy for my PTSD that I suffer from it's real important that I do it. Uh, along with that, I also found the importance of the rookie because I work with a nonprofit organization called MemoriesofHonor.org. And we have events throughout the country that is represented in 47 different states. We put on these events, and we have these bibs that we pass out. that have soldiers' names on them. It has their name, their rank, uh, their branch of service, and the day that they, they, they were killed in action. At those events, we pass them out, and people can run in memory of a fallen soldier. Uh, for me, it's a way of paying back and giving tribute uh, to the soldiers that have given the ultimate sacrifice uh, that, that have served and they never made it back home.
0: Now, how did you get in contact with this org? Um, and what do they do? You know, What's their main focus?
1: Our main focus, believe it or not, uh, with memories of honor, Uh, is is to help honor our military uh, families as well as the Gold Star family members for their sacrifices and what they have endured themselves uh, through our organization. We have different sporting events, and people can take those bibs, write a message of support and gratitude to the Gold Star family members, and our organization actually takes those messages and sends them to the Gold Star family members to let them know that, hey, your soldier was remembered today, and they are not forgotten. Um, it's a very important message for us to let those Gold Star family members know that yes, you may have lost a family, loved one, but they're not forgotten. And With us, few memories of honor, their name lives on.
0: You know, it's kind of key because I've met some Gold Star family members and, and one of the things that, you know, over time they've told me is, you know, people gradually forget. It, one, it's human nature and two, it's just, you know, there's other things going on. And when they get stuff like this, uh, maybe not through memories for heroes, but when someone says, "Hey, I'm thinking of you," it really means a lot to them. So there's definitely a need there. Um, what was what's it like being a part of that? You know, now with, for, with me,
1: for me, it's not only just being out there and saying, "Hey, I'm here to remember," you know, a group of people. Um, I have a flag that I carry with me that has 12 soldiers' and names on it that I served with. Uh, from the 101st Airborne Division Strike Brigade from 07 to 13. Those 12 soldiers were soldiers that I served with that I knew and that were killed in action. So anywhere I go on my hikes, I make it a point to take that flag and remember those soldiers. A few of those soldiers, I actually keep in contact with their families, uh, even to this day, as a Gold Star family member. So for me to let them know that, hey, we have an event coming up, and I'm going to go rock the memory of your son or your daughter it means the world to them. And um, to see the look on their face when they get those packages in the mail and to get the messages from the families to let them, when they can receive those, those packages, it's just very humbling and you, gives you a real sense of gratitude and humbleness to know that you're making a gold star family member know that their family member that they lost has not been forgotten at the same time. It gives them a peace of mind as well to know that they are not forgotten.
0: Absolutely. And and, and on that note, you're not forgetting your, your brother's sacrifice either. And, exactly. and, and they stay in your mind and, and you know that um, you're keeping their memory alive. And, and one of the things that we had talked about extensively before uh, tonight was, you know, and, and, and doing this, you also found out that photography was a really good way for you to get a creative outlet going. And, you know, not only, you know, support memories for heroes, but also get memories of these kinds of events. How, how has that worked out?
1: Well, I did photography back in high school with the high school yearbook and then took off with it from there. Uh, before I went in the service, I did photography work. Even while I was in the, photo- in the military, I continued to do it. And being deployed downrange, when we would have a uh, memorial service for our fallen soldiers, I would be out there taking photographs, documenting the memorial services and the senior mm-hmm. leaderships that would actually go up and pay tribute to the fallen soldier. Those images, I would turn around and hand them off to the chaplain. The chaplain would then take those images, send them back to, to the rear detachment, and those images would be sent to the Gold to Star family members or their family members that had lost their soldiers, knowing that. Yes, they lost a soldier downrange, but they were not you know, disrespected, and they had the ultimate uh, farewell by having everybody in that area pay tribute to them for their loss. Uh, for me, it was very, hit very home, very close to my heart for me, like I say because there soldiers that I served with that were killed in action. So for me, it meant a lot. Um, me doing my photography work through memoriesofhonor.org, uh is a very important thing because not only do we get to capture the images of the, the the bibs that people are wearing running in memory of those particular soldiers but also the fact that we also take time to gather the gold star family members in the areas together to let them know that hey we are here for you as a whole we want you to come together we encourage them to go to the Gold Star Family retreats, which is done through the Burgess family in Texas every year, uh, which encourages them to to develop friendships with other Gold Star family members as well.
0: So it really is, you know, photography and the memories for uh, heroes has really helped you in your healing by keeping other people's memories alive and being a part of that. Um, You've also supported some other events as well. Do you want to talk about those?
1: Yes. I also work with an organization, which is a Marine Corps organization, which is all about suicide awareness and suicide prevention. Uh, It's called Irritable Warriors. And we have hikes throughout the country primarily on Saturdays, now through December. Uh, They've already started kicking off this this last week, as a matter of fact, where all combat vets uh, and active duty members get together and they do a group hike together as a whole, which encourages soldiers to open up, communicate with one another, develop new friendships, um, and talk about the problems that they're going through rather than having to call a suicide prevention crisis hotline and talk to somebody at the other end, not knowing if they've been downrange themselves or not being able to relate to them what they're actually going through. These hikes are actually encouraged uh, four veterans to take part in because that way they can sit down one-on-one with somebody talk with somebody that's gone through the experiences of combat like they have which actually makes it
0: easier for them to open up and communicate that's a reverent warriors right correct yeah yeah um you know I, I have talked to a couple of them before uh, you know I was, I was out there in Nashville seeing uh, Andrew Farr who was involved in that uh, there's some people in Boston that I know and it's it's really interesting. I don't know about you, Phil, hearing people talk about their experience and the fact that they felt safe on these hikes. And I thought that was pretty important. And, and to your point, do you really feel that, you know, these kinds of things are almost or are in some ways better than sitting in a doctor's office talking to a psychiatrist? Do you think it helps out that way? Or is it just knowing that you're not alone?
1: It actually is more beneficial because not only do you have a bunch of combat vets around you and veterans themselves that you can actually open up and talk with, you develop that that that, that trust, that communication, and um, it gives you an opportunity to be able to pick up a phone or or miss somebody through Facebook. You know, when you have times if you're stressing out and you need somebody to talk to, and you know that that person that you're talking to can relate to what you're going through because. Some people don't like opening up to a psychiatrist, and they don't feel comfortable by doing that, but they will open up to a combat vet knowing that they've been downrange and they've experienced what they're going through beforehand, which actually opens up a a bigger door for communication. And by doing that, we have actually affected a lot of soldiers that have been stressed out, that have been on the verge of committing suicide, and then have not done that because they've gone to these hikes, they've developed that friendship and communication, with the people that have done these hikes. And that's what it's all about, is making a difference for our veterans.
0: So when you're on these hikes, uh, were you on the Nashville hike last year in 2019? Right. So what's it like taking the pictures and seeing the people dressed up and having good good times? What's it like to capture those memories for you in that regard?
1: Um, For me, it's a good thing, because you get to see the uh, veterans themselves, firsthand, you know, greeting one another, learning some, learning to open up, communicate, developing new friendships. Uh, at the same time, there's not a lot of barriers and walls to worry about. You don't have that military structure that, oh, well, you need to go through your chain of command to talk to somebody. You need to go talk to, you know, psych or mental health to get the help that you need. These hikes are, are developed and designed to where all those barriers are down. It's wide open. There's nothing there. It's you and your fellow combat soldiers and veterans side-by-side side talking and being there for one another.
0: Well, one thing that, that I, I've heard, and, I, and this is it's hard to prove, but in the military and for first responders and, and law enforcement officers, if you go to your command and tell them, hey, I'm not really right, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I've seen a
1: lot of that. The time I was in, you have soldiers that get flagged. They end up getting written up constantly. They become problematic uh, because the chain of command starts singling them out because of that.
0: Yeah, it, it, was, it was that. It was, you know, they had marital problems and they started acting out and, and command figured out real quick. It was easier just to get the result they wanted than to help them. And in law enforcement i mean they don't want the 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 liability so these guys are behind a desk so what it does is it it makes them internalize this more which is why i think these hikes are so important um i just think it's amazing that you're able to do that there's several times where i I, I've, i've seen people capture event images that i'm like wow that was really valuable so one of the things I get asked about, if we're gonna switch up to photography just for a minute, is I get the this this is this is my camera. Good old Sony, gets the job done. And I get told the to people that, that the cell phone is king. I don't need I don't need this anymore. I need the cell phone. So that is not the case. <laughs> so, so, well, okay, so so it's not me saying that. Why, why is that not the case, and why can't I articulate that very well?
1: Well, if you look at your cell phones these days, they may have a 4.8, 4, anywhere from 4 to an 8-megapixel point image camera built into them. Small processor, small imagery. You know, for, for on-the-spot, take a picture, you're out with a family, hey, that's great. But when it comes to digital cameras, if you want to blow that particular image up, if if you see a beautiful waterfall or something, the quality of your image on a cell phone camera is limited once you start blowing those images up. Anything bigger than a 5x7. That's when your digital camera comes into play. Your digital cameras have anywhere from a 16 to a 48 uh, megapixel imagery. or your megapixels on it, which gives you a lot more range and quality of your imagery to blow up. And I tell everyone else if you think you can take a camera picture with a phone, take a picture with a phone, take a picture with a camera, and blow them all over the same size and have the same energy quality, they are wrong because you will see that a digital camera can do a lot more than a cell phone can
0: what's your what's your what's your rig like what do you what do you what do you take pictures with
1: i uh, I've got two cameras I use a nikon uh 650 and then I also have a Nikon 5300 uh, crop sensor camera. Both cameras are great uh, for somebody with a low you know, low in, uh, experience, tight budget. I would t- I would recommend a D5300. It gives you a 24.6 megapixel imagery on it. It's a crop sensor. The lens kits, uh, lenses that come with it are actually pretty decent. Oh really? And overall performance, you really can't beat it for entry-level camera for DSLR. DLSR.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Um, I was going to ask. Um, what has been the, the best part of the camera process? Is it when you look at the pictures after you've taken them and it's been like, wow, I really got a great image? Or is it just being able to have the trust of somebody to allow them to let you observe this and capture?
1: It's a combination of actually both. Um, Some of the imagery I catch, which is the real essence, for example, like our hikes that we do for Intimate Warriors, that shows the the people coming together as one, becoming friends, opening up, having that communication. Uh, We have soldiers out there that are double leg amputees uh, last year here in Nashville, for example, that actually came out and did the hike with us. Half the time they were in a wheelchair, the other half the time they got out of the wheelchair and walked up some of those hills. And they were out there with a a determination to be out there with their fellow comrades and to show that it's all about a team effort and supporting one another. And for me to capture those images is very humbling at the same time, but it also speaks volumes when you see those images trying to tell a story through images as a photographer.
0: So you're doing this baton march. You, you You have these back you know injury that you're dealing with. How are you getting ready for this march and, and what are you hoping happens as a result of this bill?
1: Well, um, with me doing all the training, for the baton march coming up, um, you know it it's getting me, of course, ready to do the baton at the same time. Um, I want to be able to go out there. Not only prove to myself, but also be able to encourage others as well. You know, you may have a back injury. Yes, you can go do. You can you can work your way up uh, to do a baton or a half marathon or a 10k even. Uh, just you know, in small increments. Start with something small and light, and progressively work your way up. Um, I would hope that by me doing this baton death march, I will be an inspiration. Uh, for others as well to so we want to go out there and do the same as well.
0: Man, that's amazing. And, and Phil, I really hope um, that, that we can talk after the Patton Death March and really get an idea of what your experience was like. Um, how can people help out with Memories for Heroes and Irreverent Warriors? What's the way to contact those two orgs? I know Memories well, for Heroes.
1: If you want to get involved uh, with the uh, organizations, which is Memories of Honor, I'm sorry. That's right. Memoriesofhonor.org. Memories of we are a nonprofit, 501c3, uh, here at, based out of Franklin, Tennessee. But like I said, we are represented in 40 different states. Uh, we are always looking for volunteers at some of our events. And if they have anybody out there has a family member that was military service, that has uh, passed away, or that was killed in action, they can also go to the webpage and register them on there for free. That way, their soldier can be remembered at one of our events.
0: In this memoriesofhonor.org,
1: correct. And mm-hmm. Introvert Warriors—it's uh, all about you know veterans helping veterans, being there for for your, your fellow veteran as well. And you can check out them as well as our hike schedule for twenty twenty at intervertwarriors.com.
0: And I'll I'll, ha- I'll have the links to both those uh, organizations in the uh, post. Website, Facebook, YouTube, post, uh, SoundCloud for Oscar Mike Radio, so you won't be able, to, you won't miss it. And then, um, is there a way to watch or follow the Baton Death March? hike? Um, I will
1: be broad- I will do a few live broadcasts during the Baton Death March, as well as taking photos. Um, and then afterwards, I will be posting those pictures on Facebook uh, to be shared as well.
0: How many How many miles is that march?
1: twenty six point two in the actual marathon
0: gotcha so twenty six point two miles in the desert white sands New mexico is is about as void of space as you can find in the United States
1: uh, well I grew up at, I grew up in Southern California myself uh, near Death Valley, so white Sands missile range for me is kind of like almost like going back home it's just just another desert
0: <laughs> well I went by Death Valley when I was in Yuma. And um, El Centro. And yeah, that, that part of California is not green, is it?
1: No, it's pretty much desolate out there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You got some, some leaders in the background. So, Phil, this has yeah. just been amazing getting to talk to you. I mean, one of the things I like about Oscar Mike Radio is talking to people like yourself who, you know, really had to, you know, uh, adjust and, and adapt and overcome and you've done that through, um, you served your country for 16 years, wounded in action, you got out and you, you didn't quit, you didn't give up on yourself, and now you're getting ready to do this thing to really kind of push the envelope on, on what you're about. And I just really want to thank you for the time of getting to talk with us.
1: Hey, uh, not a problem at all. It's my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to, you know, coming on more often and let you guys know after the time how things went and uh, share my experience.
0: So we are actually, I know I said March 5th, but it's actually, folks, this will, uh, this will be on March 12th. Today is March 12th. When this drops, we're going to be having a, a good time uh, checking you out. When is your March 4 in, in White Sandsville?
1: I leave out of Nashville the morning of the 13th, and I do not return back to uh, Nashville until the 17th. But the 15th is the actual Baton Death March in White Sands, which is on a Sunday.
0: So, folks, you're going to watch this, and literally he's going to be on his way to New Mexico to do this march. Hey, Phil, we're right behind you. Uh, and as we say in Hawk, we're a lock-through launch. Thank you very, very much.
1: Hey, not a problem. Uh, my pleasure. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, if you guys want to get involved with Memories of Honor and help us remember our fallen soldiers out there, it's memoriesofhonor.org. You can register your family members on there for free. Uh, all branches of service, all situations, are we do register them on there. All the names that we have on our data bank are registered through the system by the family members. So we don't just pull names out off the internet and put them on there.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Phil, it's been a great, man. Thank you very much.
1: Hey, not a problem. Thank you. It's been an honor. You guys have a great one.
0: Okay, man, I'll cut there. That was really cool, man. Thank you for being so open and candid about your situation and why you're doing this stuff, man. It's really, uh, when I get it like this, it's really good. Thank you.
1: Hey, not a problem. I'm I'm glad to be able to get an opportunity to get out there and put it out and uh, show my experience and be an encouragement for others.
0: Well, it was well, for me, man. It was for me. I mean, I put on my Alice Pack every now and then. And I'm like, I can't believe I freaking carried this thing that much. And um, <laughs> it, it's something else that you're still doing it. So it's a much respect, brother. Well,
1: considering I'll be 50 in May. <laughs> I went to Fort Campbell two weeks ago. Yeah, as of yesterday, it was two weeks uh, you know, And I went to both my old battalion. We went on a seven-mile ruck. I started them off. We did seven and a half miles in two hours.
0: What? Oh, that's yep. about right. That, that, that's actually pretty good. That's, that's, because what, it's, uh, it, it's supposed to be like four miles an hour. The, 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 the document. That's, exactly I,
1: what, my, my, that's what I, that's what, that's my pace. And that's what I train at. Four miles an hour nonstop.
0: But right, you're supposed to go minimum. That's considered a slow speed, right? Four miles an hour is the baseline. People go faster than that, but four miles is it. So the idea is you can get twenty miles in in six hours with with a stop or two. Right, that's, that's, with that's me, moving
1: with with me having a a cage in my lower back, my leg brace on. Yes, and thirty pounds. That's that's kicking butt for for fifty years. Hell
0: yes, <laughs> I'm getting sore just thinking about it.
1: But uh, yeah, it was quite interesting. We actually had some younger soldiers that were out there and just came in the Army. And here I am out there with the battalion commander. We actually broke a few of them off. But uh, it makes it nice to be able to get out there with, with, with the new younger soldiers and let them know that, yeah, you may be young you know everything. Well, if you can take care of yourself, you can still do it at my age.
0: Awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, I will cut this, start promoting it, um... Next, next, not uh, this Friday, but next Friday. And then uh, I'll get with you when I put it on Facebook. I'll give you the link and everything, all right?
1: That'd be awesome. And then uh, that way I can share it with Memories of Honor as well as Innovate Warriors, because I know they're both of them. I told them about it. They're looking forward to tuning in on the podcast.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get busy cutting it, and um, I will talk to you after your march.
1: All right. Sounds great. You have a great night, and thank you once again. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. Thank you.
1: All right. You have a good one. Bye.